The Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Good morning. This is the 3CR Spoken Word Program. And today um, I'm interviewing Judith Rodriguez, who is a very well-known Australian poet, as well as being a librettist teacher and a friend. So welcome, Judith. Thank you, Di. Nice being here. Yes. Well, it's wonderful to catch up with you and to read some of your newer poems. Yes, well... What I'm going to read are all of the book after the next, so to speak. And what's the next book? Uh, the next book is called The Feather Boy and Other Poems. And uh, Puncher and Watman say they'll do it. And uh, it's they've got the, all the text. Maybe they're looking for a picture or two, but they've got all the text. Uh, that's right. I should be doing a very simple print, which is in my head for right. the cover. Yes. Mm. Oh, well, it'll happen. <laughs> Good. So tell me, what would you like to share with us first? Well, one about my dear dad. I was going off to India to teach at various times during the years before his death. So it was a bit about that. It's called Afterward. Dad, you ran out on me. Third time, I was gone for too long. Twice, I said, be here when I get back. Third time, I said nothing. You were tired, sick of living in a chair, sick of carers, readmission to the Cabrini, and thinking back, back to the brothers you hadn't known between school and the colonies. The funeral amazed us all. I couldn't stop smiling. The business colleagues came, a generation younger than yours, known from dinners and retired, all of them, as it happened, smiling. The neighbour with the accent mum couldn't stand? She smiled too. The cousin whom you fathered for three years, way back when? He spoke of you with love I sparked to recognise, and all of us smiled, confident in each other's eyes, we all knew why. I felt you everywhere, a good man in his place who'd got it right most of his life. The one who cried was the one who'd never known you. Mum sat between grandchildren, 60 years, laid away. Three weeks later, on the grass grown where you raised tomatoes, with love, we spread ashes, with love. Beautiful. And tell me, the funeral, (coughs) everybody smiled. I mean, there was a feeling of lightness or completeness about, you know. Completeness. Yes, yes. Uh, Um, Dad was very old. He was 99. He would have been 100 in a few months. Indeed, the Queen sent, nonetheless, (laughs) misinformed. An anticipatory telegram. Something like that. But, yes, one didn't feel bad about it. And we'd all had experience of, I think, a very good man. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. And um, so what's the next one? Oh, what we know. I phoned my daughter thousands of k's away. She doesn't have to know why I phoned in the middle of her day to ask questions she can't answer. But she understands I'm worried. 
So she tells me where she's going, what she's at, what Gran said, and when the chair's coming for Grandad. Thinks she does know. Matter of fact, status quo. All of my worry evaporates about them, about me, about all we don't know. Very simple. Yes. Words are really, in a way. Mm. Yes, yes, very clear. Sometimes the words fail you. Wrote one on TV Blues when I'm afraid the ABC was offering nothing and neither were any of the others offering anything. Barclays head fired. Chief stock markets fall. Hysteria on the box? No, only the BBC's up with it. The inquiry, shadow ministerial probity on trial, no less, through slow degrees and hours and hours of page-turning and recall. The viewing nation's gone into deep freeze. Try the green pages. Aren't the sleuths on call? Holmes, Lindley, gently, Poirot. The whole thing, please. No waiting for solutions. Formulas don't pall. Oldies love rebus, Marple's sharp-eyed teas and her descendants, Phryne, best of all. In dire need, fatal midsummer. Nothing in view and nothing for it now but Sudoku. Ah, yes, indeed. Yes. Yes. An exact reflection of one's life in the evening, I'm afraid. Yes. Well, um, <coughs> Midsummer Murders is a little bit too repetitive, I think. Very bland. Yes, yes. very bland. <laughs> and I, when I first saw it, I thought, oh, this must be a very old program from 40 years ago because it was such a white cast. And then somebody had a computer and I thought, oh, I know, <laughs> it must have been made more recently. <laughs> I've noticed they've also almost been sooled off families. Um, Vera, for instance, has no family, right? And her background is uh, a sad one, mm. and uh, that's uh, that's very useful. And Morse uh, is a loner, mm. uh, and so on. Um, I'm afraid Barnaby's family is just intolerable. Yes. <laughs> but Friday is entertaining. Oh yes, mm. she's a bad girl. Yes, <laughs> and they're going to make a feature film about her. Good. Yes. Because they got just the right people. Mm. That's dear Kerry Greenwood, of course. She knew the places to use and I think she knew some of the actors to use. And they got it right. Yes, it's beautifully done. And, and I mean, the clothes alone are... Oh, young. Are ...extraordinary. It matters. It yes. matters extraordinarily. Yes. Watching Howard's End just these last weeks, the British do some of their period stuff... Mm. So breathtakingly well. Yes, they do. They really mm. do. And in that case, what actors? Yes. Mm. Well, visiting places you've known once is very uh, strange. This one's called The Garden Once Mine. By the garden once mine, I sit in a closed car. My son leaps for the veranda railing, clambers, the dog once his is waiting to lick his hands. He will go in for the books he had forgotten, passing the dog, then stroll out of the garage reminding the world it's his place, books and all. The night garden, veiled in moonlight, stirs in its black washes. Galaxies sputter, fall into the dim lawn. 
bushes brush sideways in wind. A score of shapes. The pines striving in the night. The apricot's flourish of gold. Small crowded things shouldering upwards. Murmur. My flowers are all out, breathing the night. That's very beautiful. But it's unusual to visit a garden in the night time. Yes. And um, seeking the fate of plants, you know are there whether you planted them or not, is interesting. Um, It's the one thing you can't often take with you is trees hmm. and large plants, and it's very sad. Uh, right now I'm, I'm about to move and I'm uh, looking with love upon a collection of uh, potted plants and regretting uh, that I can't take all my roses, yes. whose names I know. Oh, that's very my sad. My citrus trees, yes. the citrus trees. Oh. Yeah. Yes, different stages of life mm. create different possibilities. But, yes. Uh, Leaving a garden behind, I think, is a great wrench. Yeah. Mm. If only the people who get it sort of love and cultivate it, it's, it's better. Yes, mm. I, I hope they will. Where shall we go to next? Well, at one stage, uh, my dear friend Rafaela Torresan, the artist, uh, was holding an event uh, called Leave It in the Earth about uranium and asked for poems, so I wrote this. In their obliterated voices, the dead, those who lived on, the blighted children, speak, a clamour over seven decades, leave it in the earth. Listen, once people of Nagasaki and Hiroshima, the casualties of Chernobyl, the doomed neighbourhoods of the Fukushima shoreline, leave it in the earth. We who now call upon the sun and harness the circling winds, the might of oceans, Earth's labourers to work our works for us, we can leave it in the earth. The sleeper, the secret, the threat, insidious, woven in our planet's entrails, heedless of harm is harbours. Uranium, leave it in the earth. Yes, very good advice. And many other things, including thermal coal, should be left in the earth. Yes. Yes. It always amazes me that now we've got forces that we love and have to have, Mm. like wind and sun, Mm. uh, that people don't, as it were, have faith in our ability to maximise their usefulness. It's happening, but there's a lot of people still poo-pooing. I think that it goes to the lack of education of our politicians. You know, they um, are unable to learn new things. Well, also the the age of steam Mm. uh, was, I think, felt by many educated people as a great achievement from about 1780 on. This was what certainly the British people and a lot of other peoples were absolutely concentrated on, maximising the usefulness of coal and then of electricity and um, generated by coal. And uh, it's very hard for them to uh, bring their minds around to the fact that we've found other technologies that it would have been nice to have found sooner. 
Well, the next one I've got is also a, one about a, a cause. This came to me because I was at a pen congress and every day uh, there's a picture of a writer in prison placed on an empty chair in front of the assembly. And on this day, it was a picture of Ilam Toti, a Uyghur writer, sentenced in a Chinese court to life imprisonment for, quote-unquote, separatism. And during the discussion, I wrote this. A picture of Ilam Toti. The writer in the empty chair looks at me. He looks at me out of his troubled eyes. He looks at me out of the day of his arrest. He looks at me out of a past hour, the hour of the rest of his life. He looks at me out of the jeers, the rifle butts, the prison. He did not know that when this image was made. He looks at me out of his broken life. He looks at me out of his persecuted family. He looks at me out of his banned language. He looks at me out of his destroyed books, out of the one never to be published. He looks at me out of his betrayed nation. He looks at me out of his humanity. He looks at me. The word after his last written word struggles to breathe between us. He looks at me silenced. The world's voices die. He is an image on cardboard placed on the chair where the man would have leaned, crossing his legs, riffling his MS, smiling a little, live, a man of words ready to read. Yes, it's, um, it's awful how writers are regularly persecuted all over the world and imprisoned. Mm. And um, it's great the work that Penn does to represent uh, their, you know, their aspiration for freedom. Yes, well, there's something very personal about looking at personal about looking at a person for a long time. Yes, and realizing that they are in fact being prevented f- from from their thoughts going anywhere but their own skulls. Yes, mm. it's it's um, and we have a, in Australia, of course, Beruz Pichani as a pen prisoner of conscience on Manus Island. Yes, yes, um, fortunately. Uh, Penn has been able to assist him in getting a lot of his words out uh, and published in the press in Australia. Um, I, I don't want to get started on yes. what I think of the people who could make a difference to this and do not. Yes. Anyway. You're listening to the 3CR Spoken Word Program. Uh, my name is Di Cousins and today I'm talking to the poet Judith Rodriguez about her recent work. Um, now, just a word. We've got a fundraiser for 3CR coming up, run by the Spoken Word Program, and uh, the feature poets are Andy Jackson, Jennifer Compton, Tariro Mavondo, and Kylie Subski. It's at 7pm at the Grub Street Food Van on Tuesday, the 15th of May, plus open mic. It's $15 on the door. 
Uh, now, the address of the Grub Street food van is 87 Moore Street, Fitzroy, just off Brunswick Street. And I've got a book launch of my own. Um, I've got my next chapbook coming up. It's called The Days Pass Without Name, and it's going to be launched um, by Professor Gillian Triggs at the Collected Works Bookshop at 6.30pm on Wednesday night, the 11th of April. Uh, The Collected Works Bookshop is in the Nicholas Building, which is on the corner of Swanston Street and Flinders Lane on the first floor. So, Judith, let's get back to reading some poems. The next poem I have is about Paul Sherman, a fellow student at the University of Queensland, whom I met after 60 years. He was always an actor and director, and um, I was the volumnia in his production of Coriolanus on the stairs of the University of Queensland. During the production, we were taught how to roll down granite steps as corpses without getting hurt. So all this came back to me when I met him and we had a brief meeting. I didn't realise he was very ill because he looked well to me just the same but he died shortly afterwards. Paul Sherman. The golden boy is making his stage right entrance elsewhere. How, after 60 years, with his fate upon him, is he still the clear-profiled director of our student Coriolanus, a hundred stages ahead of him? Children in a hundred schools, ripe to be held, cajoled by the antic craft its world of people to inhabit, the blaze, the foolery, the words, the passion speeding, all breaks off. A life of impersonations, exit, leaving his Melba play, poems, and by time's grace, friendship relit, long talk, the Bolognese I won't forget, and our memories of Eunice, Being a corpse, teaching our cast to roll down stairs, hurtless, to cheers. Curtain for a final scene. Hmm. A very beautiful elegy. Well, it was a very beautiful re-meeting. I'd never been a familiar friend of his, but uh, there was such warmth about meeting him. And and where did you meet him again after 60 years? In Brisbane. Oh, okay. He had me over to his flat in Woolowin and uh, served me up a bolognese. And um, uh, he had still a light and youthful feeling to him. Oh, that's nice. Yes. Yes. Uh, the next one I have is a memory of uh, another reading. Uh, the first was a performance, but this one was a reading. I was in India and I met a lot of teachers of English, um, women in this case, and they wanted to read Twelfth Night. And uh, the principal in this effort uh, was Shanti Devadasan, a public servant, who I only recently, just a few weeks ago now, found out had done a qualification in directing drama in London at some stage. That's very impressive. Anyway, she wanted to do and make more plays, and we were planning things. I was teaching at the University of Madras, and she was sitting in an office in the Department of Employment, um, a dreadful job. Um, I was Olivia and she was Viola. Mm. The reading in memory of Shanti Devadasan. 
She died shortly after I left India. That's the reason for this thing. I'll start again. Never got to her grave on Quibble Island. Somehow a comment on the mess of it all. Somehow laughter from beyond. Shanti, my dear Cesario, Viola in Sari, I, your Olivia, send by this a ring of grieving thought, of memories. No more reading Shakespeare in the Chennai Mall, the silk shop, regions Shakespeare never knew, but given a century, only a century, who knows? Headed east by the Serenissima, Philippi, Actium, the Nile, our will was ripening towards the Mahabharata, the gallant tales, the gold-skinned, delicate-fingered dancing god, and cow-eyed girls, and partnership in a Bollywood studio. No more dreams of escaping the public service. No more meals in your stifling concrete flat. No more mother joy in a masterful daughter moving into film, rambunctious Rashmi. Unfair that a departmental head who tries to prevent appointment by nudge and who you know, who juggles or chokes on sorting somehow through thousands and more thousands applications for one menial position, takes infection untimely, sinks in hospital, comes to wreck at surely not yet fifty, almost before I'm off the plane home I had to board, leaving you bedded among the river mudflats of Holy Adyar. Alas, unparalleled. Guttering ears cannot blur or stow in the dark that reading. Teachers after Chennai classes turning pages in Illyria, lady, among bolts of silk, unroll the beloved fable of finding the lost, joining the sundered, conquering time's atrocities, contraries meeting in sacred joy. Back to a man at his metrics in a cramped room, restoring to life a son twin to a radiant and living daughter. Their youth, their play replayed, mimic salvation by love, by inspired trickery, by anything, by words. That's Shakespeare, of course, who lost his son, a twin, a few years before writing Twelfth Night. Last nearing, hope on hold, flickers, the vigil parked between hospital blocks while a friend inquires. Rats in the alleys litter, their domain, not much in the way of light. And later visits, asking and telling, laughter, a play to devise, all of it. Flares doused in the narrowing shoot. What words for the woman dead? Her state is well, leading those graces to the grave. What solace, charmers juggle with death. Fold them in tides down by the river mouth, start at their glittering moats upstream at dusk, lose them again to the main. And Quibble Island, what would its scrubby shores and cemetery paths solve of the endless puzzle? Shanty lies down, we all lie down and glances shine beside a wall and slip behind. Screens multiply. Shanty, our hour remains present and dear, out of time, in mind.
Well done. It is amazing how certain connections somehow endure outside of time, as you say, you know, and, yes. and moments of, of, of togetherness and events somehow, they, they always remain vivid. Yes, it's, um, I don't feel that uh, people I've known who've died are completely absent. Well, they're not as long as I remember them. <laughs> yes. 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 Now, shall I read the contrarians? Yes, go ahead. Beware, they are among us, questioning everything, moving on, moving backwards, driving east on Flinders Lane, hook turn on Castlereagh, ring-barking trees in parks, savaging the chairman, gate-crashing Abbott, trashing the records, consigning everything non-digital to hygienic disposal, welcoming in the robots. Laws today, voted out tomorrow. What to make of heritage? And God, off somewhere, back later. Let's rejoin the Dark Ages. Or let's break records. All together. No, no, protest and retort. Tune into the oscillating orbit and axis. Wanderings of earth crust, magma, tides, forests. The fortunes of species. Options rethought day to day, era to era. Our restless world as argument, as dance. I think I'm going to have to read that again to fully understand it. Yeah, well, I like contraries <laughs> and I like unpredictable people right. and so on. Yes, yes, yes. I had a very interesting moment in the Anatolian Museum in Ankara when I was confronted with a, a little wooden structure and lying under it a beer with a corpse on it, wrapped, and beside it, a pile of golden salvers, pots, cups, its bowls. This was the grave of Midas. He was the second king of his kingdom, up near Phrygia, and the legend, of course, has him as the lover of gold. And everything he touched turned to gold, which made eating difficult. That's right. Well, his grave contained his grave goods. I don't know, they were probably, of course, um, imitations of the real articles. But there it was. They had found this underneath a large tumulus, a large mound, so many kilometres north of Ankara. Amazing. And it's... So I wrote about that because we have a habit of not having grave goods. And, of course fascinating thing is that his name and his reputation are, as it were, borne out by this. Grave goods, uncased from mythy millennia, waiting in his Phrygian hill, here's Midas, bones wrapped on a bier in a museum make of his tomb, nested among grave goods, all gold, flagons, bowls, salvers, piled, perfectly preserved, for afterlife healths, sluiced to glory of rank and conquest, how they crowd the dark space. Not for our taking, still, his services stored this witness we retrieve, and reading verify a name that defied fading. Gone, that gathering of grave hordes. Under the tumulus of memories, I lie down, 
The gentle shades of those I loved join mine. Wind takes the tussocks. The mound melts into time's infinite reach of darkness, where I am evermore void, nameless, heedless. Only my words wander, seeking the light, a twitch of remembered dried lips. Here are my bones, my drift, my dish, my offering. Beautiful. It's a very vivid description and um, such an unusual thing to describe as well, mm. you know, the tomb of Midas. Well, there were so many. That was what, the most marvellous museum I know. Mm. And uh, it convinced me that however good artisanship is today, I don't care who does it, how well, they're no better than the artisans of the Bronze Age. Yes, and mm. I think there's many a, a, a mastery that has been forgotten. Uh, yes, mm. and it can only be retrieved by those long apprenticeships we yes. read about. Yes, Indeed. Um, we're going to have to finish there, I'm afraid. That's all right. We've run out of time. That's but a good one. Yes, it's a beautiful one. So thank you very much for coming in, Judith. Thank you for having me. Yes. I'm sorry to give you a lot on death, but, well, I suppose you... you you know more dead people when you're my age than, <laughs> and you write about them. Yes. yes. Well, one, it's always important to remember those who have passed as well mm. and, and what they contributed. Oh, they're part of the world. They're, they are. They remain in different mm. ways. So I've been speaking to Judith Rodriguez. Um, my name is Di Cousins and this has been the Spoken Word Programme.